welcome to Inside Sports Dead in Goal NRL podcast for another week. Uh, this is a, a post-Origin 2 world that we're living in, <laughs> one that uh, Queensland is currently on top of. Um, my name is James Smith. I'm uh, a scribe and sub-editor at Inside Sport. And joining me today is the editor of Inside Sport, Jeff Centenera. How are you, mate? Well, let's just say if Queensland's not on top, they, they are reborn. You know, we, we did spend, I think, you and I both, you know, uh, much of the last 24 hours kind of uh, digging up the you know, kind of uh, digging up the dirt to pour on top of the Queensland dynasty. And uh, yeah. you, you warned me. I'll give you credit, James. You um, you told me I was being premature, and uh, that turned out to be very very right. Yeah, um, games in yeah, series in a row for New South Wales that we've won <laughs> zero. Well, <laughs> the number's still zero. So, well, you know, my favorite, my favorite uh, thing of last night came out of a uh, tweet. Uh, an old colleague of mine, a former kind of uh, kind of a beat writer on uh, on the Canberra Raiders, said uh, that uh, that um, uh, New South Wales dynasty for you know having just won one in a row was fun while it lasted. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, if that's a, yeah. I mean, if that's all we can take, then then, then we'll take it. Yeah, um, great win by. Uh, Queensland last night, uh, Wednesday night, eighteen sixteen, uh, in front of eighty two thousand uh, people at, at the ANZ Stadium, watched by three point four million viewers on television. It was um, yet another um, brilliant Origin um, spectacle, wasn't it? It was, yeah, one of those really in- inclusive events. Uh, you know, it's um, it'll go down kind of in the lore. Um I guess it's fresh in the memory right now. Uh, I don't know how it's going to stand out because this just seems to happen so often <laughs> with yeah. Queensland and two New South Wales. But um, yeah. I think the most exciting thing from mine is is it sets up kind of game three. And what better story really is there in Australian sport right now than the possibility that um, that Queensland could see you know, Jonathan Thurston out uh, a winner when yeah. it just looks so improbable after game one. It really looked like... Um, you know, kind of, uh, it, you know, that, uh, that, it, that the, the tide it really turned, a really bad cliche, yeah. against against Queensland and that uh, that New South Wales were going to, you know, really begin kind of yeah, a run with having the whip hand in this, uh, yeah. in this series. But now, and they may yet. I mean, let's face it, they'll go to, they'll go to Suncourt perfectly confident that they can win there. I mean, I know, I know they got... Kind of uh, a lot of a lot of weight of history against them, but you know they, they went up to there in just a couple of weeks ago and, and won big. So yeah, yeah, reasonably why can't they do it again? So no, um, and, and, and you touched on an interesting thing about the dynasty aspect. You, you, you get the sense that because of uh, a sense Queensland's really dominant run, that series wins aren't enough anymore, are they? Everybody's talking about the dynasty and and can we in fact have one of those? Just interesting, isn't it? That, that, that we already started talking about that um, after two Origin wins, you know, one from last year and one from this year. That that became important, didn't it? Well, I think you know, I mean, overreaction is a staple <laughs> of every Origin series. You know, egged on by kind of the parochial interests of our uh, yep. our various kind of uh, uh, newspapers uh, in each um, in each in each state. But um, that's very true. I think. One thing that to, to, to really drag out the D word like like dynasty, yep. uh, I think it um, it, to, it to an extent it's it's a 
it used to mean really in the context of state of origin, if you won three in a row, you could reasonably call that a dynasty. Mm. But that's not nearly in, in a in a world where Queensland has won kind of ten of the last eleven, possibly eleven of the last twelve. You know, that's that's you know that's not enough anymore, isn't no, it? To possibly win three in a row. So just no. to even to win kind of two years in a row would you know wouldn't even come close. So yeah. th- this idea that um, that uh, that you'd be calling dynasty after one, albeit kind of a, a very I know for a fact I was you know kind of jumping on that bandwagon after yeah. how convincing kind of the Blues were in uh, in game one, but um, yeah. yeah I, I've, I, I don't know about you, James, but geez, I, I've had to, I found myself having to revise expectations because, you know, if, if Queensland does win again, that means they've won another three in a row since you yeah. know since 2014, since yeah, the Blues kind of ended uh, you know the, the the streak of of eight straight. Yeah, and you know, kind of that constitutes a dynasty dynasty in and of itself, doesn't <laughs> it? We just said three in a row means you, you're a dynasty, but you know they'll yeah. they'll have done that. They'll have won another three in a row. We talk about New South Wales to. Um, three in a row series wins all the time, don't we? And here's just another one that Queensland's piled on top of everything. It's yeah, you're quite right. Well, the amazing yeah. thing I find is that, uh, and uh, yeah, this is I think the first thing you and I w- were talking about today when the subject of last night's game came up. Yeah, it's really remarkable, kind of you know the Maroons' know-how in, in terms of winning games. Yeah. And I think that really is attributable almost directly to. You know, to just how good that that brains trust of theirs. You know, Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk, Jonathan Thurston. At other times, uh, Billy Slater, um, yeah. Darren Lockyer. Yeah, they've had such a decisive advantage over New South Wales there for for you know more than a decade now. That you know, yeah, origins are played at such you know at such a a, 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 a pitch that you know. Yeah, the difference I, I find is often made. I mean, people they, they love to talk about passion when it comes to origin, and of course, you know, that's very important. But often found like you know, it, you know, throughout this this great run that Queensland has had, their greatest advantage has been has been know how. They just know how to you know, they know how to win. They know what to do yeah. when the game is tight. And I think when I get down to it. Um, I was a bit confused by last night's game. I, I really like don't know what happened with New South Wales in that second half. But kind of when they got to when it got to you know kind of the, the decisive moment in the game when the game was there to be won, like Queensland knew what to do. They, yeah, it was yeah. almost like they were relying on kind of you know kind of a, a, a you know a sense memory of just how to you know how to win. They know how to they know how to be victorious at the end of an Origin game, yeah, and that's how, and that's how they very much come through yeah and and they know how to win and and how they do it is they really lock the play up you, i mean we've seen lots of spectacular queensland series wins in and queensland wins in, in matches in the last five minutes but what they do is they they lock the ball up. You, you you do see a lot of dramatic wins but you don't see a lot of dramatic tries in those moments at, at the end where they win they're really they're normally really solidly put together tries that are Quite often down the middle corridor of the game, and uh, and they did it again last night. They just shored the play right up, and it's almost as if they they don't start building a win from the first minute of the game. They get to a certain point about sixty minutes in, and they and they they they, they say to themselves, "Okay, this is the start of the new game. This is it." Whereas New South Wales is kind of it, it almost looks as if they're on, at the end of their original game plan that, that they had and they just had nothing on uh, on Wednesday night. They they had no answer to 
this rolling momentum and this really building momentum that Queensland started to to put on really realistically towards the end of that first half. You were at I the reckon. game. You were at the game last night, yeah. and part of a very kind of uh, proud blue crowd. Yeah. You know, were you confident at any point of a of a blue victory? Oh no, I wasn't. No. And Would you say the crowd was was you know? I, I know you. You're you're kind of a bit of a you know kind of a pessimist by nature, a realist I, also. Uh, yeah. But would you say that the crowd really had the feeling that yeah, this is particularly at the end of you know uh, you know first half, two scores ahead, all looking pretty good. I, it, they kept you know, they kept uh, Queensland out of getting that decisive score. I, th- I think the, I think the at crowd the, was. The first half, yeah. yeah, the crowd was, and I think the crowd was feeding off the team. Mm. I think the team, the the Blues, thought that they. Oh, you know, not not necessarily had it sewn up. Let's get on the beers at half time, but <laughs> but you know that they're far out. We're sixteen six ahead at half time in game two, and we're one nil nil up. This is basically ours, and I think that that's what that's what flavour the crowd had. But what really shocked me was um, the the um, atmosphere of the Queensland supporters. That was quite down. That was that was you know almost as if they had succumbed to it and. And it, and it only took five ten minutes in that second half for that to really turn around. And as I said, the energy in in, in the building was it was quite different after half time. And we were sitting right near the a, a big oh, it must have been about ten thousand Queensland supporters, and you could feel the the energy off them lift. And you know they were telling each other to you know um, to fire up and all that kind of thing. And 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 again that came from the field. You mm. could feel it. Um, but yeah, oh, you never rule out a Queensland mm. victory. Not not even if there's one minute to go, because there's so many good players that play just as well in the 79th minute as as um, after they ran out um, onto the field, mate. So yeah. mm. uh, you know, I would want to use this moment to exercise a little intellectual modesty because the game turned out exactly the way I predicted it wouldn't. <laughs> so so you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm kind of eating a bit of crow here uh, oh, here well. today. I, I really didn't think that Queensland had a comeback in them per se. I thought I thought they needed to get out to a lead last night and kind of hold on to it. Uh, because I just didn't think, you know, that they'd have the energy in, in a second half trying to slow down kind of that, that New South Wales side. But you make an interesting point about kind of, you know, the, you know, the players that they have. Yeah. The, the one thing I'd kind of, you know, the observation I had from, from last night is, and, 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 you know, everybody rightly is talking about, you know, about Thurston and, and his brilliant kick under pressure. And um, I thought, you know, Cooper Cronk had a magnificent game last night. But the thing that really caught my eye was uh, on the Queensland side was just how a number of, I guess you want to call their 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 less experienced players, their second tier stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How impressive they were. Um, you know, I thought uh, I think I mentioned to you. I thought Josh McGuire was very good. Uh, one guy who I thought was really really good and has been really really good. Uh, you know, for the last couple of Origin series is Dan Gagai. Yeah. Who, um, you know, considering that um, he plays for a club that you know <laughs> hasn't been winning very much at all over the no, last couple no. of seasons. You know, he probably gets in in a, in a maroon jumper and thinks, you know, this is fantastic. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Who I'm getting to play with, but yeah, um, yeah he was uh, he was superb um, last night. So, totally agree about um, Maguire. Like he was due for a performance that said, "I am still relevant. I am still useful to the to the squad." Because mm. he was quite, I'd, in the eyes of a lot of people, he was very lucky to survive that cull. 
he was in the same boat as, as your Thides and your Guerras. Yeah, he was. He was probably the next in line, but he put his hand up and said, no, I'm not giving this Maroon jersey up um, uh, as easily as what you think I'm going to. And, yeah, he was punishing last night, wasn't he? And it's um, that those that next tier below the superstars, mm. that that was that their victory was, was built on that last night, I, I thought. Anyway, it was quite... Um, it was quite a different win by, by Queensland in that sense. Mm. It was a platform lead. Yeah. There's a bit of an odd phenomenon, though, and I think I mentioned this to you, that um, you know, not that we should ever read too deeply into kind of these, these kind of individual player ratings, but um, yeah. uh-huh. you know, our, our, our dear Daily Telegraph uh, down here in Sydney kind of went through the exercise of rating every player. And funnily enough, when you add the cumulative ratings as they do, like they actually graded New South Wales higher than Queensland, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very oddly. Which um, ultimately these days I don't think, kind of you know, when you look at it, it doesn't really mean too much because um, you know, like players don't play the full game and like, rating bench players equivalent to to, you know, to starting players when they don't kind of play yeah. equivalent minutes is, is kind of odd. But um, well, that, that marries up with another theory that the Telegraph had, with, <laughs> and that was it was all the refs' fault. Yeah, it was pretty the referee's much. fault. Well, you know, I don't want to harp on this subject for too long because, um, you know, like, I think when you get down to it, New South Wales had the game in a winnable position and all they have, all they have to really to blame them is themselves for not putting it away. Yep. But there was, I even tweeted it out, I did think there were some kind of yeah, borderline calls, you know, particularly yeah, yeah. in the second half yesterday. Yep. It certainly looked like... Um, you know, as an NBA fan, I can recognize when, you know, you, you, you kind of the refs are kind of conspiring to keep kind of a game or a series alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, you know, um, did you, I mean, I guess you're when you're in a crowd, I mean, there will always be that, that feeling going on. But did you think it was anything more kind of um, out of the order, ordinary or untoward no, and, in the context of a rugby league game? Well said, out of the ordinary. Oh, probably, maybe, but, but geez, the, the referee didn't throw that dodgy pass that um, Hain yeah. dropped. I don't think they did anyway. Well, the ref- blaming the referee—it's amazing, isn't it? It's, but it's—it's a, it's a um, universal. Yeah, it's universal. It's um, irrational. It's the perfect way of saying it wasn't our fault. Somebody, somebody was out <laughs> to get us, and that's a sports thing, isn't it? That's a sports-wide thing. Yeah. Um, just moving on to uh, maybe some of those uh, heroes um, on the other team for for New South Wales. Um, we were talking just before we came on air about uh, New South Wales' back row. Is, it was a real back row at night last night, wasn't it? It certainly was. I mean, yeah. that was the thing that kind of really, when I basically thought the series was over after the end of the first half, uh, the dominant uh, kind of impression that was kind of that I had in my mind was, geez, how good is this blue back row and how hard is it going to be to crack it for the next next decade? Because <laughs> they're all young, they're all good, and they all look like they're going to be guys who are going to be around for for quite a while. You know, Josh Jackson was was terrific. Um, yeah, Jacob Boyevich, I think, impressed everybody with you know kind of how he you know entered into the into the game. How did he pull that tackle off? I, I still mm. don't know how he made that tackle. Mm. Incredible, yeah. wasn't it? The Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Tyson Frizzell, as I said, uh, he's just got a little bit extra. In, uh, in, in Origins, I feel you, you've either got to have, you either got to be the kind of player who, who never makes mistakes or the player who just has that little bit more that even elevates you slightly beyond, you know, the, the, the best players in the game. And, you know, he, to, to me, he's, he's kind of got a little bit of that. And then when you kind of, you consider that, you know, you still got, um, you know, you're, you're kind of Wade Graham type, uh, Wade, uh, and you know, the captain himself, Boyd Cordner. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I, I do not know kind of how you fit 
all those guys into that many spots. I mean, yeah, <laughs> David Clemmer, I guess, you know, he plays as a back row for his club. I guess, you know, he could fit anywhere in, in a pack too. But, um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. If, if there's one thing I'd kind of, well, making it sound like it's hopeless for the for the Blues, but there's one thing I pin my hopes on if you're a New South Wales fan is that that just in those endless waves of you know kind of great forwards that they have, it's a nice thing to have to go uh, into going to any game with. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, and one of the other things I noticed too about the forward pack, I noticed I'm not I'm not a great fan of his work normally, but Aaron Woods was really strong really early. That he was, and then, and then he got taken off, and then he didn't get brought back on for, I'd, I'd say, until the last 20 minutes. I'm not really sure whether that's normally the pattern of, of how his coaches use him, but mm. I thought that was a great shame. Like, mid, midway through or early in that first, early in the second half, I was looking at the pack and, and thinking, geez, I could use Woodsy right about now. He, he seemed to be on fire and, and, and really motivated in that first half, but, yeah, he, he just remained on the sideline. And maybe, maybe that was the plan all along to bring him back at, at the end and... Give yeah, a punch at the end. There, yeah, there's. I guess there's an art to forward rotations. Oh. I'd, you know, I'd love to kind of sit down with a coach, uh, a lead coach, to kind of explain it to me. I guess maybe there's an equilibrium between, you know, uh, you know like attack and defence. Like, you know, is a front rowers. You, know, so you have, I guess, you have good defending front rowers. Some are, are less good. Yeah. Um, maybe, uh, yeah, kind of, maybe you find that that's what you need for the, for that scenario in the game. True. Maybe as you explain, like, you know, you want to put them on in that last quarter of the match and then, yeah. you know, kind of just, you know, just one kind of like break in the middle of the line at the end of the end of the match can, be, oh, can almost turn into six points like yeah, very, definitely. very easily. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's certainly, um, certainly a thought around that, or maybe there, there kind of, it was the, was the plan all along, but, um, it, it was interesting. I mean, they, Queensland very, Obviously, and very logically, like um, kind of locked in on Fafita, which I yeah. think gave kind of Woods more space to kind of express himself. But he, he certainly did play quite well through you know, through the opening part uh, of the game. And again, New South Wales had that had that dominance in the middle. It's what made kind of the the reversal in the second half all the more odd. But um, again, <laughs> like I said, um, I feel I need to watch the second half of that game again to, to get a handle for for really what happened. Because yeah, yeah I just yeah, yeah it, it I. It wasn't like it was very, very obvious that Queensland had had turned the game around. Mm. They certainly were playing better, but um, it just might be that old story where <clears throat> you know you got to get points on the board, right? Like you know you can play yeah. all the good football you want, but if it doesn't kind of equate to something on the scoreboard, it doesn't really kind of count for very much, does it? No, and, it doesn't. Uh, no. And that's kind of yeah, what happened. Uh, kind of what happened yesterday, like. Yeah, I mean, you can really think in terms of if Hain kind of throws that last pass and yeah. puts Morris over in the corner, and they're three scores ahead by halftime, is the game over? I mean, yeah, league is full of those kind of what ifs. But um, yeah, maybe the yeah, and, and the referee wasn't really responsible for for that one either, <laughs> or, or his other uh, stuff up. Yeah, but, but I thought what what was interesting about Queensland as well was spoken a lot about the Blues, but. With Queensland, they those new players that came in really seemed to to work off the momentum of, of Thurston being back mm. and that unit being back together. It was it was together for oh, Thurston and Slater weren't there, but you had those big four for Queensland. I thought they combined really well and would have provided a really nice welcoming uh, environment for the for the um, four kids that came in, and maybe that wouldn't have been the case in the first game because. Thurston and Slater weren't on, on the park, but that those two elements worked really well together 
for, for Queensland. Um, and it would have been a great uh, moment for the for those debutants for, for the Maroons, and, and they all clicked in, into gear well. I thought across the across the eighty minutes. Yeah, so interesting. Yeah, um, and uh, just finally on on Origin, we'll loosely wrap up our Origin chat. Yeah, I just wanted to, to again talk about talk about the event. It was it's moved right up there, hasn't it? Into arguably um, our, our biggest sporting event. Um, and, when, and when people start, I've always been sceptical of the whole. Um, <laughs> you think I'm going to attack somebody, but I'm going to be analytical here. When people start saying it's bigger than the grand final, um, that I went last night, as you said, and that was my first Origin for 12 years, and I and I've been to grand finals every year for the last 10 years, I think. And yeah, it is comparable. It 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 wasn't a grand final atmosphere. It was. A little bit more than that because there was such a collective of people going for the two teams. Whereas Grand Final Day can be a, can prove a bit of a carnival type mm. thing. You've got your fifteen thousand South fans and you know your, your Canterbury fans sprinkled throughout and Roosters fans whose team didn't make the Grand Final. It does become a bit of a bit of a showcase um, event for another reason. But just that that mob mentality it really does add to to an event like origin i think i think i'm at a, I'm at a bit of a remove from it because yep. e- even even though i was born in sydney um i don't really consider myself you know kind of being from new south wales didn't grow up in the rugby league culture yeah yeah but you know uh, yeah, just like like viewing it from the outside to me to me it's and having lived in sydney for a while it's undeniable it it um yeah. it, it really is i think it is our biggest Recurring, so annual, I guess, uh, sporting event in Australia. Um, the uh, and I'd go a step further, like in the context of world sport, I like to call it the best All Star game you can find. Yeah, I think definitely. it, re- I think it really is. I don't think there's any other kind of event that that kind of. I guess you know, if you're kind of going to be very technical about it and argue, well, you know, you've got uh, you know. You know Kind of World Cups, and they pick from the best of the best, and, and, and so forth. But I, I think you know, in the context of a single competition, um, yeah, it is you know, kind of the best kind of All Star game. Kind of thing. when you filter out the filter in in and out the best players, the, the best, the only kind of other event I could think that's quite equivalent. Golf's Ryder Cup is Ryder kind Cup, of is yeah. kind of similar because it's the same thing. It's not only just kind of a meeting of the best on best there really is an incredible fervor behind it and i guess yeah. it's it's kind of equivalent like queensland's passion which kind of going kind to of rebounds against uh, that of new south wales it's it's the europeans passion that rebounds against the uh, yeah. against the americans in in the Ryder cup yeah. and there's just so much more feeling to it um you can argue that you know kind of the effect maybe the negative effects it have it has on club football or yeah. um or the international game which i think kind of you know rugby league deserves i think you know kind of better development in that area yeah but you know it to, to just judge it yeah in and of itself like you know the, the concept is ironclad and I, I you know i think it will remain so up until the moment that i guess i don't know New South Wales finally wins a series, and the the, uh, the concept immediately becomes obsolete. Because yes. if they're a, if they're a dynasty after one game, if they won a series, geez, I mean, well, you know, <laughs> dynasties are are in a hyper accelerated kind of uh, you know, schedule these days, aren't they, James? So you know, I think I think the obsolescence of the concept will be because uh, we remember that, don't we? Like you know, it was you know, and. Yeah, yeah. Two, 2000, 2005? Five, is that yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, the concept was meant to be obsolete, and here we are, you know, a dozen years later, and, you know, nothing moves the needle like this uh, this, this event. It it's is, it's it odd, is isn't outstanding. It? Ten, 10 out of the last 11 <laughs> series, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Mm. Like, you'd, you'd expect us to start 
sooking and saying that we're not interested anymore, but we every year we become more interested. But, yeah, here's yeah. the question, James. If New South Wales had won 10 of 11 series, would, yes. we, would, we, would the obsolescence um, uh, kind, of, kind of discussions be, uh, that, yeah, would, that, would they be... Would they be running hot? Oh, that, that would kill it, I think. <laughs> yeah, that, that would... <laughs> it'd be like a whiteout, wouldn't it? It'd be like a... End, end of end of story. Yeah, they'd have to subdivide yeah. New South Wales. <laughs> that's right, <laughs> like they should do in the uh, Com Games. But that's another. Whoa, that's another our uh, planet. That one. Yeah. Um, moving on to this is a bit of a random show that, um, today. We, we, we've got a um, a nice little mini feature that um, you, you put together, Jeff, and it relates to the NBA draft. A bit of a facts and figures surrounding the NBA Boy, we're draft. Losing, we're, losing, we're losing league fans right now, but anyway, yeah, continue. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll hook it back. Um, it's, it's been tried uh, over the years in, in rugby league, and, and it seemed to, seemed to be shot down as soon as somebody um, got picked up by a club that they didn't want to go to. Um, any Anything that's come up in your research lately that sort of pins to the possibility of one day us having an, an NRL draft? Well, I... I thought there was an inkling of it. Um, Maybe not a draft. I think maybe trade window or trade period. I know that came up in our last kind of podcast. And and as part of like Shane Richardson's kind of like, you know, kind of whole of football plan. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've long argued that the league really over relies on its salary cap to maintain kind of competitive balance. I mean, the league is already fairly competitively balanced. It's that kind of sport. It lends itself to that. So that's, that's good, but if you know if the, if the sport ever wanted to get real about you know kind of managing the cap in a sane way or trying to distribute resources among the teams kind of e- uh, evenly, and maybe it doesn't need that. The comp is fairly even, uh, as was just said. Yeah. You know, the, the draft really is a way to go, and I, get, I think one of the other one of the other things I always remember is that Wayne Bennett made the comment. Um, I can't remember; it was quite recently where he said that you know he had to devote quite a lot of money in his salary cap to to blokes he th- knew couldn't play first grade football yet. Wow. He he basically had to overpay a bunch of like 18, 19 and 20 year olds yeah. who he knew were going to be good in 3 to 4 years time. Yeah. Um but you know th- the cost of keeping them at that moment was was to overpay them. If you have a draft, you then have a mechanism via which you can control the way players come in and what they earn through that initial period. Yeah. And I don't think it's a bad thing for young rugby league players to be on a on a con, on a set of contracts or on kind of a, a salary scale, which kind of gives them more incentive to you know to keep on improving and to get better and to develop into into solid kind of footballers. And, and not only that, to stay in the game. To stay in the game too. Yeah, yeah. And then beyond that, if you just kind of want to talk about the way you know kind of leagues keep themselves in the news cycle now. Yeah. Uh, you know the, the reason this kind of came up in conversation, apart from the fact it's in in this month's edition of Inside Sport, yep. is that the NBA draft happens tomorrow. It is an, a real focal point for for the you know for for the continuing discussion of the sport through the off season. And we know the AFL has one, and they're trying to build that up quite well. And um, you you could see I, I always one. Uh, event that often fascinates me is is it the under 20 or the youth state of origin game where you have you know some of the better younger players running around yeah, for, yeah, for yeah. new south wales and queensland i always thought that could be a bigger game like the, the, or a bigger event that they could if you could kind of hype that up every year and if you were to you know connect it to you know the spectacle of a of a rugby league draft at the end of the year and beyond that i mean it's it's kind of a um 
it's kind of a useful device for kind of teams at the other end of the ladder because it you know, kind of gives them hope you know, yeah. going into future seasons. But, you know, yeah. I understand that there's all kinds of legal issues around it. You know, I mean, we, we've all read the you know, story of Terry Hill kind of yeah. uh, way back when. And, you know, mm. yeah, it's it's tough because, you know, it, it, you know on, on one philosophical level, yeah, sure, a, a, you know, a young bloke should be able to go and play where he wants to go and play. But, uh, you know, it's, um, I think it's become a very normal practice in other sports. And uh, it wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, I think it would be helpful to to the NRL one day. Like, you know, it's yeah, you know, maybe something you know that as a league fan you haven't grown up with, and you know, it's yeah, not true. beyond your kind of your expectation. You know, what what are your thoughts really are, are about it? I, I think I like the news cycle um, aspect to it, and having it in October or November mm. that would be terrific. That would be um, yeah, it, it, all the entire focus of the league media and and league fans would would be on. On, on this one event that they could do they could do fun things with they could have it in Martin Place they could yep. they could have it um, wherever they wanted to like yeah um, at a historic ground or or whatever but yeah I think it's a really it's it's it would be a really good addition to to the rugby league calendar just to, to keep it to keep the gossiping going and the discussion and when you um, and the, that trade window as well has always also been discussed so. Imagine having that on the back of a of a, a young draft. It would be mm. basically everybody finding out where everybody would be playing next year, as you're a big advocate for. Um, and yeah, it would it would keep people talking about league twelve months of the year if, but as if they you, don't already. Yeah. But as you are a dedicated yeah you know, Panthers <clears throat> man, would yeah. you would you would you be amenable to the idea that that other clubs might start picking off young talent? Yeah, <laughs> born and raised and developed in the, in the Penrith area. Are you aware of our relationship with the Roosters? Of <laughs> <laughs> where one B Spitler ended up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean it's um, it'd be yeah, it would cause a lot of passion and and a lot of angst. But even it. then, you could build incentives into the draft. Like you know, if you do have kind of like a a good vigorous junior program, maybe you yeah. could be incentivized, you know, to like you know, getting an extra draft pick or you know, being yeah, given true. given yeah. kind of a dispensation to be able to take uh, the designated junior or so forth. I mean, yeah. see, that's another thing right now that um, you know, that the way the current system works, there is no incentive really for um, you know, for for a team to develop yeah, you know, it's it's on junior products. Correct. You know, you know, they you build them into something and they can choose to up and leave like yep. you know i mean there's you get you get nothing for it really so yeah, yeah. you know I mean, that's something that can uh, can be built into to a drafting system and um yeah it's uh it's a thought yeah it's terrific it's a great discussion point and uh one that'll probably develop over the next couple of years as, as it always has um we might get into some nrl matches if that's all right mate yeah sure uh, round 16 of the nrl um uh, kicks off on on Friday night, um, 6 p.m. over at New Zealand, 8 p.m. local time. Um, we've got the Warriors um, kicking off the round against the Bulldogs. Um, that, that, that roughly um, on the same position on the table, you've got the Warriors in 11th um, and the Bulldogs in 12th. Warriors last start winners um, over a very depleted Titans outfit and their origin unaffected. Um, and the Bulldogs... Um, they bounced back with a 16-2 uh, to two win over the Dragons. And most importantly, Josh Reynolds is back. Um, how, uh, hard, how hard is he trying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, he just... Um, they'll be a completely different side with him. Um, I'm predicting a, uh, not a big Bulldog, Bulldogs win, but I don't think they'd be all that worried about the location of this match. So mm. This should be... A, knowing the Warriors, or, or not knowing the Warriors, as we, as we all do... Pretty much. Um, this, this should be a... 
you know, it's a good opportunity for, for Canterbury to get back on track. Um, Brett Morris is going to be out um, after Origin. And uh, he won't play like you know this. Th- no. This is the kind of short turnaround that he could, um, you know, that he that he, you supposedly can kind of uh, can play after uh, uh, after an Origin game. There's talk it? that they're going to rest him though. Yeah. All right, yeah. um, they are going to um, uh, play Clemmer and Josh Jackson. All right, yeah. though, so, so they'll back up. Um, they'll have those troops on the ground. Um, Can't Canterbury fake Josh and just say it's Brett? Just to, you know, <laughs> he could. I've, I've, I've always wanted to see that yeah. happen. You know, I like, would not have a clue with, twi- with twins. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't even. <laughs> yeah. oh, they're, they're just dead ringers, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Bulldogs in this one. Uh, what about yourself, mate? Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> ceased tipping. For, <laughs> ceased tipping for New Zealand kind of kind of a long time yeah. ago. Um, That's about right, isn't it? Uh, yeah. uh, I like kind of the the, the victory that, um, that that Canterbury had uh, last weekend. Yeah, yeah. I, it was I I seem to believe that you know they, they'll kind of be really on the edge of the eight. Like, yep. and, but looking at the way kind of the, the, the you know, just looking at the dynamics of the eight right now, they're going to kind of find a way to get there. And if if they do, this is the kind of kind of game they should win. So that's um, correct. I'll put probably it, I'll probably go Canterbury as well. Yeah, they, they need to put these sort of wins in the bank for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, the next game, next uh, Friday night game is uh, seven fifty at Campbelltown, and that's uh, the last placed West Tigers up against the Gold Coast Titans, and they're in fourteenth on ten points. Um, the I tell you what, the Tigers had their best effort of the year um, last week against the Sharks. Um, they lost, but geez, it was a good performance. They, they almost had it, um, but but now they've lost six in a row. So. Things have gotten quite dire, as they do when you when your team's on the bottom. Um, but uh, Woods and um, sorry, Woods is uh, tipped to carry on from Origin, but Tedesco um, is out with that um, and with an ankle injury that he picked up. So that's a bit of a, a worry for the for the Tigers. Um, and Tim Grant's out suspended as well. So um, there's a bit of depletion there uh, for the Tigers. Um, and for the Titans, um, Hayne, Pete's, and Wallace are all going to return. Uh, and, and this is that game just after Hayne got signed up last year, where he, I think it was his second game back, where he uh, went down to, to Campbelltown Stadium and um, on on a Titans away ground and uh, had a blinder um, and um, proclaimed to the crowd that this is his house. It was <laughs> he's quite right. He's a he's a junior from that area. So just a quick question here, James. Yeah, we didn't mention kind of in in the, in the origin discussion, but you know, kind of what was your assessment of, of Haynes' uh, oh, kind of game? Tried to be tried to do too much, too flashy. Um, an origin centre. Geez, you have to be you have to shore things up, don't you? You have to be you just have to be like a like a security guard and make sure nothing weird happens out there. And he was throwing the ball around. So it was an object lesson in why you want more of a solid player playing yeah. in the middle of the field at origin level. You Definitely. know, it's, um, yeah. you know, it's, uh, yeah, he really kind of showed that he's played much more of his football as a finisher rather than as a guy who finishes plays rather than kind of as a link man. Like exactly. some of those yeah. passes, like, some of his choices in either trying to go for the line or, you know, what he was, you know, kind of throwing a pass on were just, yeah, was so mysterious. Like, they're, they're, to, as to be, was he, yeah, you're right. Was he taking it seriously yeah. at, at some point? I, yeah. yeah, obviously was. He wanted to win and sure. et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah, you just have to be, you have to be safer at Origin. Otherwise, you'd, you're just going to present too many opportunities to the opposition. And that's exactly what he did um, inside the, the Blues half. Um the Titans still on the Titans. They've lost um, 
four in a row since beating the Storm in round ten. So they're on a on a just a, a bad run at the moment of with injuries and, and players out. Um, Interesting dynamic in this game. You've got two yeah. teams that you would describe as not very good, but both mm. are very origin-affected. Definitely. <laughs> that's, that's almost the worst combination, isn't it? It is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah, we'll, we'll take all your players now back, back away you go. Um, speaking of that, of that sort of team, uh, next game is the North Queensland Cowboys up against the Panthers, uh, Saturday 3 o'clock at Smiles Stadium. One three hundred Smile Stadium. Um, the Cowboys uh, last start lost to the Storm in that um, game that featured all the the, the next gen of players. Um, Brody Croft. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, he's a <laughs> bit of a legend now, isn't he? You have his own dynasty to speak about. Um, Another Queenslander. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just keep coming. Yeah. Um, Thurston is apparently in serious doubt with that shoulder um, complaint that he that he had after Origin 2. So um, the rest of their Origin stars are back. Um, and someone else who's back is Tamare Martin, who the Cows picked up from Penrith um, in the last uh, week and a bit. He's in Jersey 23. And the Panthers, they're um, unaffected by Origin. They've basically, well, they are, have named an unchanged team. Uh, they've won four straight. And when you combine those four wins with the two buys that they've been given, that's... That's twelve points they've picked up um, in successive weeks. So <laughs> yes. they've um, they've really risen. That they're in eighth spot, if you can believe that. And the Cowboys are in seventh. So it's two competition points separating these two. Um, if you ignore the, as they say, the false economy of the buy period. Yeah. Oh, I think I, yeah, we were talking about this the other day, where I was looking at the ladder and um, like uh, Parramatta had eight wins and Penrith had um, had six. Yep, and yet. Uh, Penrith was ahead of them on the ladder. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had the buy and they had a point difference on them. Yeah, so. I, I, during those weeks we'd had uh, a game against um, the the Newcastle Knights, so that, that bolstered things up a bit. Um, okay, and, and the Canberra Raiders are playing the Brisbane Broncos in, in the next game at five thirty p.m. down in Canberra. Um, this must be Brisbane, must be Brisbane's favourite game each year to go down in the nice and in warm the, in the warmth of Canberra. Yeah. The Raiders are struggling. They're uh, in tenth, uh, while the Broncos are uh, holding up their reputation. They're in fourth. Um, Raiders are on a um, three-match losing streak to the Roosters, Manly, and, and the Panthers. But good news for them is that Shannon Boyd, their big monstrous prop forward, is, is making a return, and he's really going to. Yeah, yeah, he, he was he was massively missed. Um, uh, meanwhile, the uh, the Broncos in the in the middle of that uh, horror origin period of theirs. Um, they beat South 24-18 last start, um, and the week before that they lost to the Roosters 18-16. Um, yeah, so they're battling through it, but they're getting there. Um, apparently Benji Marshall is going to replace uh, Anthony Milford in the halves, and uh, Ben Hunt remains on, on the bench. So so that, that, that situation is just going to... Just, just work itself out naturally by the no, looks of no, it. No Christmas cards between Wayne and <laughs> no. and and, uh, and Ben, isn't no, it? No, no, that's just, yeah. just uh, <laughs> your surplus to our requirements. Um, seeing as yeah, uh, the later in the year it gets, um, uh, Darius Boyd um, it's supposedly got a uh, broken thumb out of last night's Origin. God, so, another one. So yeah, so it doesn't sound like he'll be. He'll be, um, Who are the Maroons going to play in the centres? Like <laughs> we keep on saying, they keep on they, they're they're dropping like nine pins. Oh, they'll find some future immortal to. Greg Inglis to, is probably healthier <laughs> than any of them right now. That's right. Throw him in. 
Oh, actually, don't throw him in. No, <laughs> keeping <laughs> yeah, keeping rested. Um, next game is the Sydney Roosters up against the Melbourne Storm in Adelaide, your hometown, mate. And that's uh, oh yes, indeed. Saturday, seven thirty p.m. Um, yeah, full credit to the Roosters for doing this. I love this. So do I. Yeah. Um, we went to the Roosters versus Storm last year in dead set. The Storm flogged them, I think it was 40 nil. There was about 5,000 people there because Mel- there aren't there aren't that many Melbourne Storm supporters in, in Sydney. So. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know how many of them there are in Adelaide either, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, to go to the to, to go to Adelaide Oval is one of the most pleasant ex- experiences in all of uh, Australian uh, spectator sport right now. You know, you can go to the, you know, that... that yeah, restaurant, upper floor, watching rugby league. It should be, should be really quite nice, you know. It, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a bit different, isn't it? Um, an NRL premiership match in Adelaide. Um, we'll touch on that later on. Yes, indeed. It's some lovely memories there. Um, yeah, so Roosters have got all their origin stars back. Uh, Boyd Cordner has a calf complaint following um, Origin 2, so they're talk, talking the possibility of him being out long-term, which is going to be a worry for, their, for them and their go-forward, so... Yeah, um, the Storm, they just continue to power along. They won four straight. Um, Are there their origin guys out? Is, is, do, we get a, do we get a kind of a reprisal Brodie Croft this week? I, I, I think they're going to be... I think they're back. I think they're, they're going to throw them in there. Um, yeah, it's, Will Chambers is out um, from, of his, course, from yeah. his HIA. But, yeah, I, I don't think um, last night's... Or, uh, Wednesday night's game would... Um, be too much of a of a barrier for Cameron Smith and Billy Slater to back up from. So, um, yeah. As for a tip with this one, I'd I'd say the Melbourne Storm. I'd, I'd go for them in, at a neutral venue. Yeah, yeah, I'd be intrigued to see if they do kind of gain some benefit out of um, out of basically playing against a team that's forfeited a home game. I kind of got yeah. obsessed with this topic a year ago when they play, <coughs> they play that double header up at. Um, up in uh, Suncorp, which basically gifted you know, the Broncos an extra home game. <laughs> it did, so, yeah. you know, it's, uh, yeah, and I, I think Melbourne was one of the catalysts for that because they played, they were the team on the back end of that doubleheader. But, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, ultimately this could really be critical to the, the overall shape of the season in the sense that, you know, yeah, Melbourne and and, uh, and and the Roosters will both be top four sides. Yeah. So for Melbourne to get a crack at a top four side away from a, it, what is meant to be their home game at, at a neutral venue is yeah. is a hell of an uh, is a hell of an advantage. So um, you know, like minor premierships are only ever decided by you know one or two games. Um, yeah. But uh, I guess beyond that, how important are minor premierships to winning you know the you know, the big premiership? So. Um, yeah. You know, we'll weigh that up, but um, and you'd hope that this is being billed as that um, over in Adelaide. Hey, one versus two, top of the table clash. You'd, yeah, you know, you'd hope so. Um, I'm not quite sure what uh, what other action they've got um, <laughs> if they've got any AFL action going on this weekend. But probably, um, probably not. Yeah, no, probably prob- probably not actually because it's all played at Adelaide, isn't it? So yeah, um, second last match, uh, the Dragons up against the Knights at um, Jubilee Oval. Um, the Dragons have lost their last two uh, against the Eels and the Dogs. Um, their last win was against the uh, West Mag, West Mag, <laughs> West Tigers, sixteen uh, twelve in round thirteen. Um, Too much Winfield Cup. <laughs> that's right. And then they've got Dugan and Frizzell back from Origin. They've been really scratchy lately. The Dragons, fair income. Yeah. They do look like 
they're on the slide. Yeah. Um, Following re-signing Mary McGregor. So, yeah. yeah. This is a good tonic game, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> like, seriously. Or, or it, it is one of those games that launches you in a panic stations because you lose this one and then you're, <laughs> you know, you're really all worries. There's, there's pressure on, on, <coughs> on your team when uh, they play the Knights. It's probably just as much as when they play the Roosters in Melbourne. Mm. This is... You must win this game, yeah. Um, and, the, and the Knights, they moved off the bottom of the ladder. Apparently there were wild celebrations in uh, Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently people were walking around saying that they'll remember this when they're old and where were you when? Hey, yeah. small, small steps. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, they, and they gave Manly a real scare um, last last start. They lost 18-14, but that was, um, that was a pretty freaky performance. The win-loss record might not say it, but they have played a lot better this year. Yeah, like, you know, it's um, yep. you know, they've they've been, uh, you know, they were they were absolutely diabolical last year. They didn't look like at the times they did not look like a viable kind of first grade team. But no. you, you can't say that about them this year. They've been competitive and they've been competitive in parts. So. Yeah, no, apparently Nathan Brown's really started to lay down law with some of them, saying, okay, yeah, yeah, you're still young, but look at the NRL experience some of you blokes have got now. Mm. You know, thirty, forty matches under their belt now, so it's not as if it's a you know, eye opener for them anymore. They, That's about the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah they know the they know the drill. And the last game is uh, the Sharks versus the Sea Eagles at Southern Cross Group Stadium on Sunday afternoon. Um, Cronulla, Cronulla sitting in third, and the Manly side sitting in fifth. They're just um, really impressive year for them. Um, the Sharks um, they beat the Tigers last start twenty four twenty two as we've mentioned. Um, and they lost to the Storm at home the week before that, and they only beat the Bulldogs by one the week before that. So they, they're up there, but geez, they're pretty, pretty rickety at the moment. They're, they're winning ugly and they're, they're collecting points along the way, which is, which is not ideal. But but they're still doing it, aren't they? So yeah, I mean, again, this is, I think this will be a good game to get. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if it really kind of. Makes makes a definitive statement about either side, either way, but um, just could be useful kind of around this positioning at the end of the year. Yeah, particularly as yeah, you know, kind of because you know, there is a kind of an order of difference between you know, finishing fourth and finishing fifth. But uh, yeah, um, you would. Yeah, I, I'll be in, I'll be interested to see kind of how Cronulla kind of finishes its season because this was the, yeah. you know, the kind of. Yeah, this is you know, we're entering the point a year ago where they really hit the skits before they they got it right. That's correct. So yeah. you know it, um, it, it. I don't think it'll happen to them uh, again. It's highly unlikely that well, they, they they didn't have the equivalent streak to run off at the yeah. at the start of the year. But um, they're one of those that that kind of side that you know people are not really thinking them in those, in those terms. But they are you know, they are the premiers and they probably have that you know, that confidence kind of. Uh, Kind of with them, um, That's true. you know. Uh, yeah, again, I mean, we were talking this week about kind of some Brisbane Broncos, nineteen nineties Brisbane Broncos related material that we're talking about. Um, yeah, yeah. And you have to go back that far to get a, you know, to get a repeat premier. And you know, I think it would be the surprise of all surprises if someone like it would be the. The damned Cronulla Sharks are going to pop up <laughs> yeah. and bring this thing to an end, like the unfashionable Cronulla Sharks. So you know, it. Uh, sorry, Cronulla Sutherland the Sharks. But um, yeah, it. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of uh, kind of how they go. I mean, they've just been. Yeah, they, um, you know, I kind of expect them to gut out just a, a, another game like this. But uh, but mainly, it's really tough, tough yeah. side. Like, yeah. these these are brutal games. These matches. These are Sharks mainly games and. 
Manly's won three in a row, so they're, they're really mm. having a fine year, fine uh, middle 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 third of the year, mate. So, oh, well, that's all the um, matches wrapped up. We'll see what uh, this weekend produces. Um, on to our on, on to this bit of an unfair segment, but that's all right. Uh, our heroes and zeros of the week. Um, my the hero for mine is uh, that that South Terraway um, Angus Crichton. He had a blinder on um, on, on the weekend. He, 21-year-old um, against the Titans. Listen to these stats. Uh, ran for 200 metres, made 27 tackles, four line breaks, and three tries. He was just unstoppable. They, they didn't know what to do with him. Mm. Um, yeah, he's and, and just his um, his stature too. He's 100, stands at 100 kg, um, and at 187 centimetres, so he's pretty hard to stop. Mm. Um, <laughs> and my, yeah. be sorry, and beyond that, you know, the, you know, the fact that you'll love uh, James is a real kick in the shins for uh, <laughs> for, for rugby union because yeah. you know he was. Uh, he was a member of uh, the Australian schoolboys side, and uh, in you know, in a very old school type of decision, kind of decided to pitch his uh, kind of pitch his, pitch his lot in with um, with with Souths, yep. rather than kind of take the money on offer from the ARU. So that's just that's just another thing for you know, kind of you know, Bill Pulver to kind of sweat about these days. <laughs> I uh, couldn't help but notice his name popped up in uh, Peter Fitzsimons column about all of rugby uh, rugby in Australia's uh, 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 laments. But uh, yeah, it looks like um, you know another superstar talent kind of uh, kind of got away. So <laughs> good maybe, on you, good on your rugby union. <laughs> maybe he was listening to Wendell Saylor. When, when in union you see the world, but you don't see the ball. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and one of my favourite um, favourite bits of commentary from that from that match, and I just loved it. It was, it was Rabs, and it was uh, Rabs describing Angus Crichton's first try. Rev said he takes off like a startled gazelle and scores behind the uprights. The startled gazelle <laughs> of all the of all the things you can come up with, that's what he looked like—a startled gazelle as he ran towards the line. It was, I love you. <laughs> I hope he's poetry. A poetry from yeah, from from the nine yeah. All right, so he's our hero, and um, our zero. I'm just going to take a pot shot at um, just the way things are officiated again. Um, gets boring, but there's lots of ammunition here for. For, for this sort of thing, um, Edric Lee um, received a pass from Chad Townsend um, in in the Sharks' um, um, uh, win on, on on the weekend against Newcastle, and dead set Townsend was standing on on one of the lines. It was, I think it might have been the ten meter line or the twenty meter line, so it was easily measurable. He lets the ball go, and Edric Lee dead set he, he, he caught it four meters in front of where Townsend threw it. And um, and he eventually passed to Kurt Capewell, who scored in the corner for Sharks for the Sharks' first game. But this um, this floating forward crap—I don't even know what that is. He passed it backwards, but it floated forward. That, I don't even. How does that happen? That's like Kennedy assassination, magic bullet stuff. It's well, ridiculous. Uh, you, you know, these guys. I guess if you can put a certain spin on it, you know. I mean. Yeah. The guys got some skill. You can make a curve. You can make him ball curve. I, I know that. I wouldn't have thought you can make a ball curve four meters, like you know, over, <laughs> over that space. But, uh, I'm not exaggerating either. You can look it up. It's on YouTube if you if you're that bored. But I, I understand if you if you throw it flat and it travels forward. Mm. Fair enough. But how can you throw it backwards and you can't, <laughs> unless it unless it's a very windy night, uh, which it wasn't. It wasn't that windy. It's um, I don't know. It's just a. They need to. They need to start ruling on on forward passes with the with the bunker. They use it. They use camera angles for everything else, but not that. 
like we stop at that area, that, at that area of the game. That's that makes it um, makes it just weird. It's like yeah, bit, bitsy and, and I just don't don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> You're keeping your mouth shut, so I'll, I'll stop ranting. I like forward passes. I watch Union. Yeah, yeah. There good. was one in uh, you know. <coughs> Cameron Smith threw one out of dummy half last night. I don't think it amounted to anything, so yep. it didn't really affect kind of affected the game. I know Gus kind of commented on it, yep. but yeah, it was pretty damn forward. So um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those things that yeah, if, it really is more of, a, of an outcome driven thing. If it leads to something, to a break, to a score, that's right. You know, it, then it matters. But um, yeah, which is when, why, yeah, when yeah. it doesn't, you know, I mean, it. Um, I, I, I often look at those and think about uh, kind of play the ball penalties too. Yeah. Like sometimes, you know, if, if they were really strict about, you know, kind of enforcing a tidy kind of play of the ball, you could be blowing the whistle all the time. Like some of these guys don't touch the ball like with their foot at all. Like, exactly. yeah, and it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty obvious. Man, but, imagine uh, if they rule, if they ref the game as per the rules every play. <laughs> they'd be dead set. There'd be would be no action, would there? <laughs> every tackle would be high. It would be late. Yeah, as you say, there'd be a play the ball penalty yeah. every second play the like, ball. The, the other one that kind of gets me is, um, yeah, you know, you're meant to play it perpendicular to the try line, right? Perpendicular, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, you know, kind of like, yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, perpendicular to the try line. And you're not meant to play the ball at an angle. And yeah. I, I think, yeah, I would think, you know, at least like a third of all play the balls are probably played at an <laughs> angle. There's another another aspect to it, yeah. Yeah, also, so that's our uh, Hero and Zero of the Week, and... We're getting towards the end of the show, but um, b- before we before we go, we, we wanted to uh, revisit this Adelaide game, um, this historic uh, match that the Roosters are taking uh, to Adelaide against the Melbourne Storm, and we wanted it to um, in our rear view mirror uh, section talk about the uh, the great Adelaide Rams. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to go through some numbers and names for you. Might bring that's back that's some... the first time the Ad- that Adelaide Rams and great have been ever been mentioned in the same utterance. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. They, were, they were classic. Uh, they had two seasons. Uh, one was the Super League season where they finished ninth of 10 and then they backed up in the 20 team uh, National Rugby League competition where they finished 17th in 1998. Um, it's kind of remarkable they missed the spoon both times. Yeah, they beat the two teams <laughs> home. Yeah, three teams home. Good, good on them. Uh, the coaches that you know, Adelaide that, won't tolerate a loser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what they. That's what they had to fold because they. Yeah, they, they weren't good enough for the Adelaide people. They had um, their coaches were uh, Rod Reddy to start off with, um, and then Dean Lance took over. I was, yeah, I'm sure he was a standalone coach, um, and the CEOs were. Tim Pickup, uh, Michael O'Connor had a go, and Liz Dawson. So this is 20 years before the di- dynamic, you know, let's let's employ women as CEOs. Really because, Castle, yeah, yeah, because they've got brains as well. Like, <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yes, um, it was happening in Super League 20 years ago. So, there you go, wave of the future. Yeah, yeah. Their uh, their most capped player was Kerrod Walters, uh, 41 games. So we associate him as. Queensland boy, and but he played uh, two seasons with him, so so um, it's it's a forgotten part of his career. But um, the most points were I love this name <laughs> with 116 points. Graham Apo, Graham Apo, oh, what, what a legend! Um, their first home game, they beat the Hunter Mariners 10-8 at Adelaide Oval. Uh, you were probably at that game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, in the crowd, in front of 27,435. There you go. Which would have been massive. 27,000 yeah, people. For wow. the old Adelaide Oval, would have been yeah. quite full, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 
their last game, their last ever game, they lost to the Newcastle Knights, thirty-four to twenty. So that was at Newcastle, and even that game was that, that game attracted seventeen thousand two hundred eighty-one. So you could almost say that the Adelaide Rams were massive crowd pullers. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you could almost say that, <laughs> but we won't. <laughs> I always remember you asked me about this, you know, and you kind of raised this topic with me. Yeah. I always remember that my, my predominant memory of the Adelaide Rams is when they kind of were kind of launching the, the side. There was a uh, there was a presser press conference media event out on the the actual field. Oh, yeah. where Rod Reddy was meeting kind of the local you know South Australian media, and it it, it was it was almost. He, like he literally had to do kind of a clinic, a rugby league clinic for the assembled media, like showing them this is a rugby league ball, this is how we hold it, this is how we pass it backwards. I love it. it was, yeah, it, I could not, you know, I could not believe it. But um, you know, I, I mentioned on the show before, yeah, how how sometimes football kind of stops it sometimes at the state border, and certainly a lot more in the old days. Yep. But um, yep. yeah, that certainly was the case. Um, certainly was yeah, was the case down there. But um, I guess this, you know. It, it, the subject of the Rams always kind of brings to my mind this idea uh, that um, how national does the National Rugby League need to get? I mean, do we really are we ever going to have to really revisit the idea that um, yeah. that that you know that the league need, needs to expand? Uh, I am I am on the yes side of this of this topic, and I know a lot of kind of like more traditional <coughs> league fans uh, are, are not, but. Um, and I find it interesting how, you know, even kind of with some of the kind of the difficulties the game is experiencing in heartland areas now, this subject always seems to recur. That, oh, we need kind of a team in Perth. Adelaide was maybe a bit too far afield. Um, probably better to put another team in Brisbane, which seems to which seems to make a lot of sense to me. But, um, yeah, my sense is that, you know... Um, Maybe not now. Maybe not now. Now is not the right time. But I think inev- expansion is probably inevitable in, in, yeah. in the NRL's future. I just think it, um, you know, it it has to kind of become more truly national. Uh, I, I think the league kind of does have kind of a very, you know, quite quite contrary to the crisis talk that you know that always pervades kind of the you know, rugby league discussions. Yeah. I think the league is you know is, is is fine and will be established for a long time to come. But that is that is kind of the. The, the frontier that they kind of need to get to, I think. Um, yeah, that. Um, yeah, uh, you know, what's what's your view on that, James? I mean, I, I know that you know, as more of a traditionalist, yeah, and, and you know, kind of, yeah, I think your view is that you don't really see the need to kind of like bash non-rugby league fans over the head with with you know with the game. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, like yeah. what? Um, I, and I'm pretty sure we both agree on the idea that you know, kind of the lead the league needs to look after itself really where it is right right now but um yeah kind of what do you how do you see kind of do do you think do you think expansion is that important i no i'd I'd rather see um i'd rather see cities like adelaide and perth host clumps of matches through the year just like para takes games to darwin and penrith takes one or two games a year to bathurst i think that's a good idea yeah i'm taking because it, it still becomes a big event when you do that even even a, a, um, it's not expansion, but playing th- three or four games a year at Leichhardt mm. that makes every game there really big. Whereas I don't know if you if you threw the whole the whole lot at a, at um, a city like Adelaide, Adelaide and rugby league still don't don't do it for me. Um, but three maybe two or three games in Adelaide a year that's something to get excited about because sure. there's only that many games and 
Yeah, I think in this current in this current climate, where you're talking about the game supposedly being broke and you know grassroots um, running out of money, etc., maybe it'd be bad taste to start up two new teams or whatever. It's a hard sell when yeah when the Newcastle Knights themselves yeah. are, are, are struggling to stay afloat that you kind of would, would want to cite a team in Perth. Yeah. Not, not yeah. adverse to, to teams moving. Mm. I, I, that'd be. All right. Yeah, but I don't know. But would you, in in terms of staging games out there, would you kind of do it, you know, on a basis of just the games themselves going out there, or would you would you try to do it through the mechanism of a club kind of having an ongoing relationship with a Perth or Adelaide, the way that say Hawthorne in the AFL goes down to Tassie, or yeah, or, or GWS you know, plays games in Canberra, yeah, spot you know, on as part of a, a, a regular arena. Spot on, yeah, and that's what as, as we're saying, a para with Darwin and and South South has played Melbourne. In um in Perth for the best part of ten years now, and there's yep. a real affinity there. Um, whether that's because there just happens to be a lot of South fans everywhere, or or because they keep coming over, and mm. and if that happens, you're going to gradually build your brand that way. Um, so maybe yeah, it's a good good point. Maybe growing the game via the club's brand mm. um, would would be a more effective way of doing it rather than the NRL saying right we're the NRL we're in Adelaide now let's make this work it costs a lot of money to do that it certainly does take a lot of financial muscle I I think ultimately what you need those games for as well is you do have outposts of you know rugby league communities that live in Perth and Adelaide yeah true and you know games like that are really great opportunities for that community to rally around. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and yeah. so just to maintain those those ongoing kind of like like relationships and ties to you know to the, to the bigger organisation, I think are are are, you know, are quite important. But um, yeah. you know, when you get down to it, you know, kind of the most compelling thing you know is effectively the league really only reaches eighty percent of the country's population if you can consider that you know that. Adelaide, yeah, so Western Australia, South Australia, and Tassie constitute about 20% of all the people in the country. And it's making 60% of, of the money that the AFL is. So, you know, I really do believe in the market the size of Australia, and I do understand that, you know, kind of, that, you know, kind of you know, the, the big East Coast cities are growing. I, I think there's, there's enough growth there to sustain league, and particularly if, um, I think this is the great challenge for every kind of uh, football code that we've got going forward. If you know, kind of the, the the ethnic background of younger people kind of changes in Australia with with more immigration and kind of yep. the, with second generation Australians being born, if it can kind of reach those reach those communities, we ran a story about that inside sport a while back, written by uh, Ben Eichen and and Remy Hadar yeah, yeah, about yeah. kind of you know league. You know, league's efforts to really kind of reach into immigrant communities like it did, you know, in, in a previous generation, where, whether it was for Italians or, or Lebanese or, or, or Greeks, whether it can do that again with, you know, the, the, you know, the groups of new Australians coming through in, yeah. in, you know, in, in the coming, uh, coming decades. Um, yeah, th- there will be, there's growth to be had there, but um, yeah. like ultimately, you know, I think for what will be kind of a solid kind of like you know kind of sporting body in its own kind of um, in its own environment, you know, the, the league will then it will eventually have to figure out the logic will push it towards kind of uh, kind of a more nationwide t- 
type expansion. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to cover Adelaide, <laughs> but you know, I mean, like, there's a lot of money they're leaving on the table out in Perth, which is why the suggestion of Perth, I think, keeps coming up, even though you know, it's, um, you know, I mean, it's not like the Western Reds blew us away back in the day. True. So you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I always find it interesting how this is a subject that just, yeah, that just won't ever go away. No, it's always going to be there in the background, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and just to finish off. Um, uh, our latest edition, our August um, 2017 ed- edition of Inside Sport, has been on sale a week now. And uh, in that, there's a cracking feature story on Andrew Fafida, the Sharks um, bulldozing prop forward. Um, yeah, the origin hero for, for New South Wales in Game 1. But there's many layers to him. And, and uh, our, our star scribe, Matt Cleary, um, has just produce a cracking yarn and it really takes you behind the curtain of Fafita doesn't he and that, with that with that line mm-hmm. if you want to understand somebody you walk a mile in their shoes and very that's much, what Cleary's done here isn't it very much so I mean if you want you know we have, we have a rather generalised complaint these days that you know that you know our, our, profession, our modern professional sportsmen are, are boring. They never say anything controversial. <laughs> well, here you got a blog who absolutely, as Matt told me, has no filter. Like you know, he will he will really tell you, yeah. you know, kind of yeah, tell you straight. Um, I wasn't kind of you know a particularly great fan, but um, I could tell you I was much more sympathetic after uh, after reading uh, Matt's piece. I'd yeah. really widely encourage anybody to to pick up the magazine and uh, yeah have a read of it too yeah especially sharks and uh, blues fans <laughs> yeah. uh, um all right well that just about wraps things up um thanks very much for joining us um good points jeff and uh thank you yeah, we'll um we'll be back next week thanks very much <laughs>